What does America stand for? What are we about? Generally, the words that would be most likely to come to mind are freedom, democracy, opportunity, and equality. People might have some different, more choice words at the moment, but generally, freedom, democracy, opportunity, equality. I'll get to freedom and democracy in a bit. Since this is the Equality of Opportunity podcast, we'll start there. Equality means that everyone is the same by law. Opportunity is an ability to advance, the circumstance that makes it possible to do something. Put them together and it means that everyone has the same chance to advance, to do something with their lives. Equality of opportunity is the American dream. My name is Jeremy Peters and this is the Equality of Opportunity podcast. So the idea for the podcast actually came to me years ago when I kept hearing politicians denounce legislation they didn't like because it equalized outcome. And in America, what we should be focused on is equality of opportunity, equalizing opportunity. And I thought, hey, that sounds great. Let's do that. And then I listened to them a little bit more, and it became really clear that they thought we were pretty close and that just a few more tweaks and we'd be there. We would have equality of opportunity and all our problems would be solved. Uh, yeah, no, that's not really Look, I could spend hours talking about all the ways that our system is unequal, but you know, then what do I talk about for the next 500 episodes? The protesters in the street right now, the ones talking about inequality in policing that are exposing inequalities in our justice system, they've got this covered. They're talking about so, so much right now that we need to listen to. It's things that have been swept under the rug, things that are being dragged out in the light of day. It's time. I hope we listen to what they're saying and really start to heal these things. Uh, as far as that goes, my contribution has really just been a couple blog articles I wrote. Uh, one came out last week. The other one's coming out later this week. Uh, the first one deals with uh, what that message to fund the police, what that means to the protesters, uh, how they might plan, be planning to use it. Uh, the second one is really about more about people in the policy realm, how they take that message of defund and start to transition to something that's a little more user-friendly, a little more, yeah, slogan-y. Uh, as a lot of people have pointed out, it needs to happen in that realm. But I really think this is a two-pronged approach. There's the people in the street, and for them to fund the police is fine. They're using it the way that they want to use it. We should just stay out of their way and listen to what they're saying, let them do their thing. Uh, and then on the policy end, yeah, they need a new slogan, uh, one that makes sense for them. And so the, really that's what the blog article later this week is, is about. Uh, both of those can be found on the website. That's www.equalityofopportunity.com. On the blog, so if you want to check those out, um, you know, see what I have to say about the messaging, give that look. So I appreciate it, but mostly let's listen to the protesters, let's clean up our clean up our act, America, and uh, let's really fix this stuff this time. So at the beginning of this, I talked about four words that were representations when you ask what does America stand for. These are the four words that people would most often think of, and they were freedom, democracy opportunity and equality and we've covered equality and opportunity but we really haven't talked about freedom or democracy and I want to do that starting with freedom I'm a veteran and I fought in the first Gulf War you know so I absolutely believe in this idea that we should have freedom that we should defend freedom that that is an American ideal worth preserving fighting for but then I look at what we actually do have and what we actually are defending, and there's a disconnect. It's not the idea.
idea of freedom that I was fighting for anyway. Is it really freedom to be stuck in a job that you don't like because for some odd reason in this country we decided to tie healthcare benefits to employment? A lot of people just can't stand the disruption. They might not like their job, they might hate it. And they want to move, they want to do something different, but they can't because they, it's just too much to be disrupted by that. Is that freedom? Is it freedom for parents to have to go back to work sooner than they would really want to because they don't have enough paid family leave? There are horror stories of women who have forced to go down in their cars and feed their kids during coffee breaks, pump milk, whatever, and crying while they're doing it. Is that freedom? Is it freedom for families to have to require both parents to work just because the cost of living is so high in America that that's the only way they're going to make it. And then they have to hold their families together with this stress that is, comes from that and have some fun and have solid relationships and not crack up under that strain. Is that freedom? Is it freedom to deal with a heavy-handed government you know, whether it be bureaucracy or whether it be policing that seems constantly poised to come down hard on regular Americans anytime they step out of line. And at the same time, just has the softest of touch for the big boys, for the corporations, for the unions, for the wealthy, the political donor class, the, one who, the ones who fund the campaigns. They always get away with it. And we see this. If you're a fisherman out fishing in a lake that's been polluted by a corporation who got off with uh, just a slap on the wrist and we got to clean that mess up. But you don't have the right tags and a game warden comes upon you. Do you think you're going to get that same leniency? No, absolutely not. If you're driving down a freeway that was funded with taxpayer money and a connected contractor got some kickback and a politician got some kickback, and everyone walked away with some money, a lot of money. Nobody was ever really brought to justice. And you're speeding down that freeway and you get pulled over. Are you going to catch any break? No, you're going to get a speeding ticket. You're going to pay that fine. While the politician, while the contractor, the connected contractor walk away with millions. Is that fair? Is that freedom? Is that democracy? And there's examples of like this all the time. We just, we have this unequal system where the wealthy, the connected, they set the policy and they're above the law. And we see it. Every once in a while, you'll bring, one will come down, you'll have a Bernie Madoff or a Enron. But that's the, that's the exception. It's not the rule. And we see that. And we see the inequality that exists in our system. And yet we cling to this idea of freedom, as we should. It's an it's a, it's a ideal worth defending, worth fighting for, as is democracy. But as it exists now, we really don't have either of those things. We don't certainly don't have a democracy, not in the way that was intended, not with all the money involved. And I don't think we have freedom, not in the way it's intended. People should have freedom to make their own choices, but that comes with certain level of ability to make those choices and not being hemmed in the way that our country kind of hems people in. 
And so for real freedom, the kind of freedom that I thought would defend to exist, that's where we need to start to move towards those other two words, equality, opportunity. We need to start to make it equal, that opportunity. That's how you get real freedom. That's how you get real democracy. So a big part of why I haven't done anything with the idea of quality of opportunity up until now is just there was never really seemingly the right time, either politically or personally. And then suddenly COVID hit and everything really kind of changed for everybody. Work changed, school changed, lives changed. Uh, a lot of the things that people had clung to, that they found value in, that they found comfort in, uh, whether it be work or productivity or stuff, you know, those things just, it, it really was different all of a sudden. And, you know, we have a, a system which really didn't respond very well to that. And it's always been very much so that it's pretty clear that our system benefits the people at the very top. But I guess we all, there was always a sense that it was at least competent, uh, well-organized, cohesive. And I think that COVID has really revealed that, no, it's not any of those things actually um, you know it's just really a big collection of special interest giveaways piled on top of one another that's kind of duct taped together MacGyver style to look like policy um, but really I mean you just you have the union giveaways you have the Wall Street giveaways you have the energy giveaways the healthcare giveaways the on and on and on and how do you build a cohesive system out of that? It's, it's you, you can't. Um, and now so suddenly everyone's life is different and we have these protests going on and all these injustices are being exposed and nobody really knows what's happening going forward. So what better time really to change the system that has so spectacularly failed us than now? Our government isn't working for us. It's working for the special interests that fund it. Um, and it's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We deserve better. We should have better. But we don't get that unless we demand it. Uh, and so I think the time has come that people are maybe going to be a little more willing to demand that, uh, having had their lives upended as they have. So we'll see. But um, I'm hopeful, and that's why I'm doing this now as opposed to six years ago or even six months ago. There are plenty of people working on government, trying to tackle the problems of federal government in America. Uh, so many different angles, so many different approaches. But the problem that they're all facing is it's just this huge behemoth structure that is so calcified at this point. And the money is so entrenched. You know, it spreads into the media. It goes into our regulatory agencies. It's so much worse than most people imagine. So you've got this giant structure and you've got all these people with all these different approaches. It's like a giant mountain with a million people, each with a tiny little rock hammer hitting this thing. And so they're making all this noise. They're kicking up all this dust, but they're really not doing anything to the mountain. And that's what tackling the federal government head on is. That's really what that amounts to. But then at the same time, you've got these localities all across the country, cities, towns, counties, you name it. And they're doing things to address the problems of America right now because they have to. They have to be a little bit more responsive to their citizenry than the federal government is. 
And so really they become the laboratories of how do we solve the problems which we're facing? What are the what works? What are the programs that work? What are the initiatives that work? What are the compromises? What what's bringing people together to solve problems as opposed to driving a wedge between them just so we can raise money to fund campaigns and get people out because it's a lot more effective generally to demonize your opponent. It's, it's hard to get people to donate money and show up and do all those things that you want them to do as a candidate or a consultant. If you say, hey, my opponent's a really nice guy, uh, we agree on a lot of things, but you should vote for me. Um, yeah, people don't get fired up about that, but they get super fired up if you say that the guy over there is evil and he's going to do horrible things. And that makes compromise really hard. But in, in cities and towns and these communities, we have to compromise. We can't turn against our neighbors. We, and we have to figure out ways to solve our problems together. And there are communities doing that. And so a big part of this podcast is going to be shining a light on those communities and, and on those efforts. And especially the ones that, that really tie into the theme of equality of opportunity. And we're going to start to build a little bit of a <clears throat> network of these solutions, of these things which can be bound together, these things that people are doing in their communities, these really positive things for their community, and we'll bind these things together, and this will be the start of a foundation for a new system. I, I know we all want to tackle the federal, gov federal government, but you got to build the foundation before you can put the roof on. And I really think that's what we're, we got to do, is we really need to turn our focus into these local communities, these local efforts, Figure out what's working, get more people involved in those efforts, replicate them in other communities, and really start to build this, this idea of, of this is how we solve these problems, which the federal government is too calcified, too money-soaked, just too unable to solve. And this is how the, we're doing it here at the ground level. And we're going to build that up to the top. And eventually we'll stick a roof on this sucker. But first we've got to pour the cement. We've got to lay the foundation. So I should probably stop and clarify what it means when I say things like programs that enhance the quality of opportunity. When you have a government that is so permeated with special interest money and it seeps out into everything, including our media, it's not so much that the members of the media are complicit and expanding some nefarious special interest agenda or anything like that. It's just that they're never going to be really willing to challenge the boundaries of the frame that the government sets. So the elites in government, whenever issue is, is risen, they set the frame of debate. And it's usually a left-right one. Not always, but usually. And that's the frame that the media accepts. And the debate is really vigorous within inside the borders of that frame, but the media never pushes against the edges of that, and that's because that media is owned by the same special interests who are setting the frame. So they, there's this vigorous debate, but it doesn't really occupy that much space. And so when you have these people who say that there's not much difference between the two parties, that's what they're talking about. I mean, absolutely, there is a difference between the two parties in terms of what they want to do. But what is never really discussed is how much broader that debate could be in both directions.
but isn't because this is the frame the special interests set. And so we're not going to ever really discuss all this stuff outside of that. And so when you talk about equality of opportunity, programs that enhance that, when you talk about these localities, that's what we're talking about. They're expanding that frame. They're not constrained, these localities, cities, towns, they're not constrained by that boundary that is being set by the special interests that the media buys into. They just want to solve problems. And so programs that enhance the quality of opportunity are ways that they're solving problems that really move way outside that frame because the idea that our government should be centered around something like equality of opportunity, trust me, is very outside the frame that is currently being set. And so anything that matches up with that is outside that frame. It's expanding that frame. And that's what localities are doing. That's why they're laboratories. And that's why they're so dangerous to the paradigm that's currently there. And it's why the media rarely ever talks about them. It's pushing against that frame. And so it's always just this kind of cutesy, oh, look what they're doing. And then back to all the other stuff that we're inundated with from the media. But there are some really cool things out there that people are doing that deserve a lot more attention. And so that's why we're focusing on those in this podcast. That's a big part of that reason. So what kind of programs are we talking about specifically? Well, that's just going to vary from community to community based on what sort of problems they're facing, uh, what the makeup of that community is. So it's going to vary, and that's the cool thing about this is we can see what works, what doesn't, and apply it in other areas as we see fit. Uh, it's, it's just really a big laboratory. Specifically, though, you know, you're talking about early childhood development. That's a big part of it. Education is obviously a big part of it. I've been in schools both as a teacher and in other capacities, and I've seen the profound difference between affluent schools and poorer schools. And it's, uh, you know, from facilities to access to computers, extracurriculars, sports, I mean, you name it, any measure you want to give, give, the kids in affluent schools have a huge leg up over those in the poorer schools. And the kids in the poorer schools are a higher percentage of children of color and so that's why we have people in the streets right now protesting it's not just the police brutality yes that absolutely is a big part of it but it's also the systemic pushing down of a class of a race of people and they're fed up with it and they should be it's ridiculous in this country that we have people born on third base and at the same time we have people born in the dugout who have to fight the manager just to even get on the field, and then they got to knock over a bat boy, and then they got to bribe the umpire to even get at the in that bat. And some kids knock the hell out of it when they get that at bat, and that's cool, that's awesome, and we celebrate those stories. But in so doing, we're ignoring all the kids who never even make it to the plate. Some kids get there and they don't make it, you know, they don't get on base. But we've got kids on who are born on third. Is that really, that's not, it's not even close. We've got a long way to go to get to equality of opportunity. And it's at every level, but it really starts early on with early childhood development, with education, with preparing kids for the world in a way that's way more equal than we're doing now. It doesn't stop with education, though, and I think that a lot of times that perception is, is pervasive, that 
you know, if we just fix the education, then everything else will be better. We'll have the equality of opportunity. But that's that's not the case. I mean, think about how we are in America, how there really is just kind of this one-size-fits-all path that everyone's supposed to sort of follow. You go to school, you go to college, you get the job, you get the family. But what about all the people who that doesn't really fit? Some of them figure out a niche somewhere that they can occupy. But there's also a lot of people who are square pegs and you know the system just keeps trying to cram them into that round hole. And eventually it just gives up on them. And it, they're tossed aside. Their lives are, their potential, it's, it, it's, they're disposable. That's not a quality of opportunity. It's not even close. So it's not just the education. It's, it doesn't stop there. It's about not just having one path that everyone's expected to follow, but rather having multiple paths that people can choose from that offer people alternatives throughout their lives, that they can maximize their potential because that's what is best for our country. If everyone is happy in what they're doing with their lives, if everyone is you know, given at least the opportunity to be happy and fulfilled and of plot a path that doesn't necessarily match what their neighbor is doing, but it's the right path for them. We're going to be a better country for that. Now, a lot of times when you talk about programs or ideas like this, then the pushback is that, yeah, but we're going to take from people who are doing the hard work, who have earned that money, and we're going to give that money. We're going to give from the haves to the have-nots, and it's just going to be squandered. And I get it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of perverse incentives in our current system. So I'm not suggesting that we just build upon that system. We've been given an opportunity. Let's tear that system apart. And let's get rid of, rid of those perverse incentives. And instead, reward people based on the amount of effort that they put in. Let's give people a leg up in proportion to the amount of leg up that they actually need. And I think if you develop a system like that where there's accountability, where there's clear rules and clearly defined lines about what is expected of everybody and how people are expected to contribute based on where they sit at any particular time and what's available to them and what they can do to earn those things. If all of that is really well defined, then you don't have that pushback of, I'm throwing money at a faulty system. Because right now, I don't blame people who don't want to throw money at this system. It's broken. It sucks. Yeah, let's fix it. Let's change it. And find these new pathways that people can take. And so at every step of their life, there's an opportunity for them to redeem, to self-correct, to get back on the right path maximize their potential and that's what this podcast is about it's about building better systems capable of defending these ideals we're really going to cover a lot of ground over the coming weeks and months we're going to shine lights on the people and programs that deserve to have those lights shined on them i'm going to introduce some of my own ideas and talk about other people's ideas and it's just going to really be anything that we can pull into the mix that lets us push past the frame that the special interests and the powers that be want to keep us trapped inside of. Ultimately, I want to get to a more consistent schedule where I'm airing a new episode every two weeks, so two or three a month, 
Um, it's going to take a little time to get there. And this is obviously my first episode, and I appreciate you listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Uh, but it's going to – I don't even have theme music yet, so it's going to take a little time to iron out all the kinks. Uh, additionally, I really want to get guests to come on the show. I want people to talk about their programs uh, to share their experiences, to tell about the challenges that they faced and how they overcame them, to explain how people in their communities could really help them, uh, and to share how other communities might be able to adopt the programs that they're implementing. Uh, so that's a big part of this. So those are my goals, to get that consistency and to get guests to come on, and both of those things are going to take a little time to develop. So coming up, it looks like I'm probably going to have one more episode before the July 4th holiday. And then at that point, probably nothing until August, at which point, hopefully, those guests and those, that consistency will be there. What you can do in the meantime, if you want to stay connected, if you want to be part of this, uh, and hopefully you do, is uh, you can check me out online. Uh, my website is www.equalityofopportunity.com. That's equalityofopportunity.com. On Facebook, you can find me the same way. It's Equality of Opportunity. And then finally, on Twitter, my handle is at Equal Op Podcast. That's Equal O-P-P Podcast. And that's my Twitter handle. Any of those are great to reach me if you have any questions, comments, thoughts about this podcast, future podcasts. If you know a guest who might be somebody that would be a good addition uh, to shine a spotlight on something that they're doing, definitely please reach out to me about that i'll be posting more information on the second episode soon and you can find that either on social media or on the website in the meantime if you want to engage with your local community as a way to push that conversation outside the frame that's a great way to do it uh, just remember to be safe there's a lot of craziness still going on with disease and everything out there so don't want anybody to put themselves in harm's way uh, we're going to talk a lot about how people can contribute and get engaged in programs in their in their communities so uh, that's definitely coming up so please just check back in and uh, be safe out there in the meantime thank you so much for listening to the first episode this is the equality of opportunity podcast my name is jeremy peters and we'll be talking to you again soon take care everyone thanks bye